Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your day. It is Thursday. We're a couple of days removed from the NBA lottery. We're coming up on now over three weeks since the Grizzlies have been eliminated from the playoffs. And over the past three weeks, we have talked quite a bit about looking forward to the offseason, what makes sense for the Grizzlies approaching trades, free agency signings, the draft, the next big move to add to the roster. We covered, in general, all those different things as time goes on. We'll look into specifics, but today we're going to look back at the 2021 season, really diving into the roster itself during our player review series starting today, going through next week. Obviously, if any big news comes from the Grizzlies in that time frame, we will step aside from this series and focus on that. But we'll do the player review series when it comes to the Grizzlies, looking at each and every player that played for Memphis this year and what their perspective, what their outlook is as far as their career and what that could be with Memphis. In the first segment, we'll talk about the guys who probably are not going to be here, obviously, into the future, but did contribute this year. In the second segment, we'll talk about two young big men who I think the Grizzlies will it will come down to a decision as to which one the Grizzlies might want going forward. And in the third segment, we'll talk about a fan favorite as he continues to really cement his place on this roster for the future. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me on Twitter at StatsSAC. I'm a credentialed media member with the Grizzlies. I've covered the Grizzlies for over three years over at Grizzly Bear Blues and have been here now for over a year. Your Grizzlies every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the latest news perspective, insight, and honest truth when it comes to your Grizzlies. Obviously, you can find the show at Locked On Grizz. You can find the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen, that's where we will be. And of course, we also want to remind you of our title sponsor for today's show, and that is Michelob Ultra. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in this episode. So let's kind of lay the groundwork for the Grizzlies 2020-2021 season. Now, with all the injuries that the Grizzlies experienced at the first of the year, the first of this year may have felt a lot like the end of the 15-16 season when the Grizzlies set set a record that has now been tied. It may have even been surpassed by the Houston Rockets this year. When the Grizzlies set a then NBA record for the most players to ever play for one team in a single season. But 18 different players played um, at some point in time for the Grizzlies this season. Going into next year, the Grizzlies have 12 players that are under contract and another player who we'll talk about in a minute that has a partial guarantee contract. They also have a few decisions to make going forward on some team options. Obviously, Justice Winslow stands out and a few other players, which we will cover, obviously, during this player review series. But when it comes to the Grizzlies, we certainly don't want to talk about last season with out making sure everyone is covered and appreciated, right? Because, you know, yes, the Grizzlies did not make a major trade, a major signing, or anything like that during the season, you know, in terms of a player that came in and played a, a significant role for this team. Many of the players, it seemed everybody that was playing towards the end of the season either had come back from injury during the season or was here the whole year. But there are three players who did contribute at certain times this year, mostly in garbage minutes, but they did contribute this year and obviously had an impact on the Grizzlies this season. And those three players, of course, are Tim Frazier, 
Gorgie Dang, and Sean McDonough. Now, obviously, we'll start with Gorgie Dang. Gorgie Dang was acquired at the 2020 trade deadline in the as, as a kind of a byproduct of the Justice Winslow trade. The Grizzlies got James Johnson with Deion Waiters and Justice Winslow from Miami and then traded James Johnson to Minnesota for Gorgie Dang. Well, Gorgie Dang was with the Grizzlies. He pl- had he had uh, significant playing time for the Grizzlies before the season was suspended. He played minutes in the bubble, and he also played an extended period of time in some games this season as the Grizzlies were going through some injury issues. However, towards the end of January and through February, it came became quite clear that the Grizzlies wanted the opportunity to play their younger players. They wanted the opportunity to give extended runs to players who likely were going to be here long term. Gorgie Dang, being the consummate professional that he is, that's one thing that's always been there about Gorgie Dang. He's a very productive backup center, but he's an even better team member in person when it comes to you know how he's always been perceived in the NBA. He took to it, understood. He took to it, understanding no issues or anything like that. And when the trade deadline came, it seemed as if the Grizzlies were shopping Dang to potentially see if anybody would want to take on his contract. Nobody did. So the Grizzlies, as a form of gratitude and respect, they paid Gorgie the full amount of his remaining salary when they easily could have come to a buyout for him. They paid him the full amount of his remaining salary and allowed for him to leave. Now, the thing is, is that it made sense for them to do that, right? He wasn't playing for him, so he went on to play for the Spurs and end the season with them. But in his time here, Gorgie Dang was actually very productive. This season, Gorgie Dang shot nearly 48% from three for a big man, which is absolutely incredible for a backup center. He shot 52% from the field. And as we know, he was a very productive bench member. A lot of our better lineups when he was playing was with Gorgie in the lineup because he was so productive from three. So an outstanding performance by him when he played this year, but at the end of the day, he only played 371 minutes for the Grizzlies and then obviously went on to San Antonio to be a part of their bench. So certainly, Gorgie Dang was with the Grizzlies for more than a year. His contribution should not be forgotten. There, It certainly seems as if many of his teammates loved him, but it made sense for him to go on to another opportunity that would provide him with a bigger role. Now, while Gorgie went on to another opportunity, because obviously his talents certainly are still valuable when it comes to the NBA, two other Grizzlies that played for Memphis this year were Sean McDermott and Tim Frazier. Now, Sean McDermott was signed out of Butler in his rookie season, along with Killian Tilly as the two two-way players for Memphis. Tim Frazier was signed during the season when the Grizzlies needed to fill out their roster. They needed a third point guard, so he was signed to... to um, a 10-day contract, and then eventually would sign a rest-of-the-season contract as well. Now, neither one of these players got extended runs. Uh, Combined, they combined for just over, I believe they combined for 202 minutes this season, 208 minutes, a little over 200 minutes this season combined, and neither one of them was outstanding. Sean McDermott was signed because of his outstanding shooting career that he had in college, However, he was 8 of 11 from inside the arc, but only 5 of 22 from 3 this season, so his shooting was not really there like it needed to be. He did show some good potential down in the the, uh, the G League bubble, but just not enough there for there really to be something for the Grizzlies to invest in when it comes to his future in Memphis. Tim Frazier was never likely long for Memphis himself. He did well in, in 54 minutes played. 
He scored a total, or excuse me, in 62 minutes played this year, he scored a total of eight points and never was really a factor. He was three of 20 from the field. So Tim Frazier was never really a factor on the floor. But one thing that I will say stands out about Tim Frazier, and this is something that his teammates mentioned, several of his teammates mentioned throughout the season, is that he basically was a player coach slash cheerleader. Whenever you look down at the Grizzlies bench, especially during their stretch run when they were going through their struggles at the 1st of May and then really caught fire, obviously, towards the end of the season, the play-in and playoffs. Tim Frazier was the one standing up. He was the first one to greet players coming off the court, the one standing up on one end of the bench while Taylor Jenkins was coaching at the other end of the bench, talking players up, talking to them, whether it was negative or positive, giving direction, so on and so forth. Tim Frazier was a very, very valuable asset to this team when it comes to support. Now, that only takes you so far, correct? This is a very tight group, a wonderful culture here in Memphis. Obviously, everybody does the same thing, but it really stood out to, to many that Tim Frazier was going the extra mile to do that, despite the fact that obviously his role on this team was not significant and he likely does not have a future in Memphis. And that's the reason why I covered these three players, right? You know, Gorgie Deng obviously has moved on. He ended the season with the San Antonio Spurs. It's not, I don't anticipate the Grizzlies really being in the market to bring him back this offseason. But when it comes to Sean McDermott and Tim Frazier, I also expect that with the Grizzlies already having so many roster spots already taken up, they also have another rookie pick. They also have a second round pick this year. They'll have, they may go with the two-way option. But the other thing is, is that I'll say is that it just does not appear that Sean McDermott or Tim Frazier really have a future here in Memphis. So despite the fact that they were with the Grizzlies this season, I don't anticipate Frazier or McDermott will be back. Perhaps McDermott, you know, becomes a player that could play on the hustle this season. Maybe not necessarily will be on the roster, but I would anticipate that we probably will not see Frazier or McDermott back on the Grizzlies in the near future unless for McDermott he comes up as a hustle player towards the end of the season or whatever it may be in the future. Certainly, though, don't want to forget the fact that they were Grizzlies and they did step up and play when they were called upon, especially when the Grizzlies were going through many injuries to start the season. But overall, I think when it comes to Tim Frazier and Sean uh, McDermott, of any of the players besides Gorgie Dang, obviously, that played for Memphis last year, I think it pretty, it's pretty obvious those two players are the ones that are most likely to move on to other opportunities, whether it be with the hustle or whether it be with another organization. I don't think that their future is here in Memphis. But two players who I do think have a very interesting and intriguing future are Jonte Porter and, and Killian Tilly. One of them is signed to a contract when it comes to the Grizzlies 2021-2022 season. But I don't think that that means that the other has seen his last game in a Grizzlies uniform. Coming up, we'll talk about the seasons that Killian Tilly and Jonte Porter had, why they remain intriguing to the Grizzlies' future, and why a decision between both of them could be made as to this summer as to which one stays with the Grizzlies long term. Obviously, with the Grizzlies not playing, there's not a present moment that could be the Michelob Ultra moment of the week. But why don't we give it to a few players who we've not mentioned before? And there were many Grizzlies that made their season debuts, or their basically their NBA debuts this season. We talked about Sean McDermott, obviously uh, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, but also Killian Tilly and Jonte Porter. And I think that a few of these players had, so both of those players actually had some pretty impressive moments. For one, Jonte Porter, I believe it was in his NBA debut, had one of the most productive NBA debuts for a player that played seven minutes or less in an NBA game in NBA history. Killian Tilly, back 
in the Grizzlies' impressive win towards the end of the season over the Dallas Mavericks, was able to stop Luka Doncic one-on-one on two straight possessions and also hit a few big shots that week as well, showing his potential on both ends of the court. And while neither player may wind up being an important cog to the Grizzlies' future, they're just another example of why the Grizzlies love to play with each other, the joy and happiness the team this team loves to play with each other, and the excitement and enjoyment that it creates because of how well they play together. And I can tell you this, if you want happiness and joy, there's only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories in every glass of Michelob Ultra that you drink. And the great thing about it is you can enjoy it in any way that you want as long while you're watching your favorite sports teams. Joy is not the end game. It's the whole game. Make sure the next time that you enjoy the glass glass of Michelob Ultra, it's while you're watching your favorite sport, especially when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. Our NBA playoffs coverage today on the road to the finals is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season thanks to Michelob Ultra. On tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, we're going to dive right into a couple of veterans in Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow, whose future with the Grizzlies certainly still to remain, be, do remain in place. But in terms of their roles with the Grizzlies, as well as the momentum that they had coming off of the 1920 season. It's not where it was a year ago, obviously, but there are things to look forward to with both of them. However, there could be some roster decisions made that could impact their futures with Memphis. Going to be looking at both Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow on tomorrow's edition of the Locked Home Grizzlies podcast. So getting back into the younger players at the back end of the roster, for the Grizzlies. Two players that really stand out that were, you know, for me personally, were exciting to see the Grizzlies invest in last year were Jonte Porter and Killian Tilly. And what was clear about it was this. The Grizzlies wanted to find another big, a very versatile big, that could offer shooting, that could offer the ability to be a two-way type impact player when on the court with extra things such as passing. And Jonte Porter and Killian Tilly, they're not necessarily the same type of player. But they, can, but they can contribute across the board. They're not liabilities defensively, and they can really impact the game in ways that a lot of traditional bigs may not be able to. And their stats from the season, though both were very limited in terms of playing time, their stats from the season certainly showed this. Killian Tilly only played 182 minutes this season, obviously, but his per 36 minutes this year were 11.3 points, 1.6 blocks, one steal, 1.6 assists, 4.7 rebounds, but two threes on nearly six and a half attempts uh, per 36 minutes. That shows the versatility that Killian Tilly offers. It also shows why the Grizzlies really put a priority on him as being a two-way player coming into the 2020 draft. Killian, Killian Tilly arguably was the best shooting big man that was in this draft class. And that's clearly what the Grizzlies were going for. They got arguably the best shooter who turned out to be the best shooter in Desmond Bade. And they also got the best shooting big man in Killian Tilly. Now, while he didn't show 
that shooting prowess, he was 10 of 33 from the field this year, or from three this year, he did get going as he got more playing time towards the end of the season, but he also showed some good defensive versatility. There was a sequence towards the in that last game against Dallas of the regular season, not, not of the regular season, but the last time we played Dallas during the season. At the end of the first quarter, Killian Tilly got some playing time, and he stopped Luka Doncic on two straight possessions, one-on-one, by himself. Sure, that's not anything that you write home about. That's not suggesting Killian Tilly is going to be an all-NBA player anytime soon. But it certainly shows the flashes of how effective Killian Tilly can be at times when he's on the court. I don't ever expect Killian Tilly's going to be a regular starter in the NBA. But do I think under Taylor Jenkins' tutelage that he certainly could turn into a rotation piece and a rotation piece that fits what Taylor Jenkins wants in having as many shooters on the court at all times? I certainly do. And another big thing about Killian Tilly is that like Jared Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow, he entered the season hurt. He was hurt for a big part of the preseason. So if he could go through a whole offseason of getting tutelage from the Grizzlies, that will really allow for him to be able to work his way into Taylor Jenkins' system and continue to improve himself to become a rotational piece in time. For Jonte Porter, it's a bit of a different story. Jonte Porter had not played competitive basketball since the 2017-2018 season because of a variety of different injuries. But the Grizzlies were able to sign him as an undrafted free agent Uh, in the early part of 2020 to a developmental deal. They eventually agreed with him to a three-year, $5.9 million deal at the end, or right before uh, the start of the 2020-2021 regular season. And last year, Porter actually showed some good potential. One thing that stood out about Porter is his ability to produce. As I mentioned during the Michelob Ultra moment of the week, Jonte Porter in his debut had one of the most productive debuts for any player who made played seven minutes or under, or seven or less minutes in a game in NBA history. Now, again, keep it in context, that's nothing to write home about, but it's cert- his per 36-minute numbers certainly do show, once again, that his versatility is an asset when he's on the court. Jonte Porter averaged 14.7 points, 2 steals, 0.7 blocks, 0.7 assists, 9.3 rebounds, and 2 three-pointers. Now, obviously, he's not going to produce that over extended time, but it does show that Jonte Porter is more of a across-the-board, can-do-many-things, a jack-of-all-trades, if you would, both offensively and defensively, and we haven't even seen him put on display consistently one of his best assets, which is passing. But the reason I bring both of these players up is that, yes, both players did not get any type of real run this year just simply because of how deep the Grizzlies were. But they do represent something that you know is consistent about the Grizzlies and that they are two very versatile big men. They are two more modern than traditional big men who do offer shooting, offer passing, offer those extra things you may not necessarily see from a big man. So obviously the Grizzlies would love to retain both of these players, but at some point a decision is going to have to be made, right? There's going to have to be a decision made because the Grizzlies already have 12 players who are under contract this year. Jonte Porter is in there as well, but he's only on a partial guarantee. There's only so many roster spots 
that you can feel. And the Grizzlies also may want to make, you know, a, a veteran addition to be a part of the rotation. They do have, obviously, a draft pick that they're going to have to sign, another second-round draft pick as well they may want to put on the roster. There's, there's higher-priority avenues that likely will be addressed this summer than allowing for Killy and Tilly and Jonte Porter to both be on the roster going into next year. There's certainly a chance, and it would seem that they both could be there, but if they had to choose, it would seem that Porter would be the choice because he's already signed for two more years on the surface while Killy and Tilly is a free agent, but I'm not so convinced. I think that Killy and Tilly matches more of what Taylor Jenkins wants to do. He was a clear focus of this organization to bring it to the fold when he was a two-way player. And the fact is, is that on John Tay Porter's contract, he's only guaranteed 300000 before July 20th. Now, there's a bit of confusion. That July 20th date may actually be August 21st. I talked with Keith Smith about this, that, you know, when I say date, the Grizzlies have a partial guarantee to Jonte Porter in the second year of the three-year contract he signed last offseason. They're going to have to decide by a certain date whether or not to guarantee the rest of his contract. Whether it's July 20th or August 21st, they're likely going to move it to August. They're going to move it to a date later than August 3rd when the new calendar year comes into play, and they'll have until that new date later in August to decide. But I do think that it will be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if the Grizzlies, based off other moves they're going to make, if they're going to have to come down to a decision of choosing between Jonte Porter and Killian Tilly. I do think they make a decision on one, my personal preference, and I think this is where the Grizzlies lead because he was the higher priority to play last season, would be basically agreeing to Killian Tilly, uh, agreeing with Killian Tilly on a similar deal this offseason that they agreed to with Jonte Porter last offseason and in the process pay Jonte Porter his 300000 and obviously send him through the waiver process. So at the end of the day, I do think the Grizzlies are going to attempt to get Killian Tilly under contract uh, like they did John Conchar and Jonte Porter and others last offseason. But in the process, while they easily could keep Jonte Porter, I think that they may prefer to have another wing or another guard in Porter's place so I could easily see them giving Jonte Porter his $3,000 and allowing him to walk, obviously, this offseason. At the end of the day, regardless of what decision that they make, it's certainly worth seeing a, another summer as well as another year of these two players developing. And there could be a chance a team could swoop in and give Killian Tilly a higher guarantee, and he could go on, and then the Grizzlies don't have to worry about making a decision. But I do think between the two, Killian Tilly aligns more with what Coach Taylor Jenkins wants to do. And I also think that when it comes to his future, I think that Killian Tilly has a more direct path towards being a rotation player with his shooting than Jonte Porter does. Both remain very intriguing big men at young ages, and both easily could be on the Grizzlies roster next year. But I do think that there will be some other moves made where it comes down to a decision being made between the two, and my personal preference, and I feel the Grizzlies' preference, would be to get Killian Tilly on a Jonte Porter-type contract, and then guarantee Porter, you know, the money that he's owed, and then make the decision to basically waive him and keep Killian Tilly moving forward. 
But one of the players that we do know that's going to consistently be in the fold is a fan favorite. Someone that many love to talk about getting jitty with anytime he's on the court. Coming up, I'm going to look at John Conchar and how he continues to shine anytime he gets on the court and why he's a valuable member of this Grizzlies franchise. As we talk about the Grizzlies players, it's obvious the Grizzlies have done a great job assembling their parts to create a winner over the past two years. They hope to continue to do that in an even better way to become a sustainable winner in the future. But speaking of parts and being assembled, you want all your car parts to be assembled and working correctly for your car to be running, especially if you may be traveling more this summer. And if you need help in that area, rockauto.com is a great place for you. Number one, it's very easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll be able to find what you need. And regardless of the make and model or the part that you're looking for, rockauto.com is likely to have it. If you're someone like me who needs others to do your repairs, you do your own car repairs, or do you do car repairs for a living, rockauto.com is a great source because it's very cost-effective. This is a family-owned business. They've been in business over 20 years. They know car parts can fall out of budget, so they try to keep things as economically friendly as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. Rockauto.com, amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. So we officially have begun both parts of the both the Western and Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA. The NHL is coming upon its Final Four. Baseball is in full swing. So many great sports are going on around us, and if wagering and betting is part of what makes your fandom great, I got the one place that has you covered, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams preps prep for their runs to the finals or to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Put in the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks expert. Visit betonline.ag today. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, the Atlanta Hawks continue to roll in the playoffs. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, we've talked about it before that the Grizzlies' relationship with the city of Memphis is organic. It's unique. It's special when it comes to the NBA. I'm not saying there's not other places whose fan bases have the connection with their team like the Grizzly, like the city of Memphis does with the Grizzlies, but there's a lot of passion here when it comes to basketball in general and also for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies roster itself has a lot of passion for the city of Memphis. And so over the years, there have been a lot of fun fan favorites, a lot of players who probably have not been held in as high regard elsewhere as they have been here. And one of the best examples of that in recent history of the team over the past two years is John Conchar. John Conchar, as I like to call him at times, because of how well he plays. Now, John Conchar obviously was a two-way player for the Grizzlies during the 2019-2020 season, but had some great moments for the hustle, had some really good play, just highly productive minutes for the Grizzlies. A lot of it was in garbage time, but his play was not garbage at all. John Conchar truly showed that he could fill up the stat sheet and consistently make 
value-added plays when he was on the court. And this year, it allowed for him to be able to play in 43 games for the Grizzlies and also be able to um, you know, pl play nearly 13 minutes per game, including getting some playoff minutes. He was not always a part of their rotation, but he certainly was the guy who probably was the 10th or 11th man for the majority of the season. And if there needed to be a changeup, if there just needed to be a new fresh body inserted into the rotation, John Conchar stepped right up and delivered. He played 575 minutes this year. He shot 50% from the field on 138 field goal attempts. Uh, one, uh, once again, he shot 37.5% from three. He made 21 three-pointers on 56 attempts. But the big thing about John Conchar is this, is that it's hard really to get an appreciation of what he does because of how few minutes he's played so far in his career, only 756 minutes over his first two years in the NBA. But the thing is, is that there clearly is talent. It may not look like it. It may not look like John Conchar may have, you know, not may not be, you know, consistently among those who consider players to have the talent to stick in the NBA and play in the NBA. But when it comes to not only his talent, but the difference that he makes with his energy and his passion and his constant motor, it really does make a difference. It's on. It's to, almost to the extent of how Dylan Brooks does it. Now, Dylan Brooks obviously does it to a much higher a degree of value, but John Contra truly makes a difference with his constant motor, his energy, and his willingness to make any type of play possible to benefit the Grizzlies. But in the box score, he truly is a guy who adds quality value and at times significant value. That game against Dallas on the last week of the season, a game which the Grizzlies really needed to win to be able to make sure that they had themselves in the best position possible for the play-in in the playoffs, John Conchar stood out. He was the difference in two of those games, especially against Dallas in the last week of the season, that allowed for the Grizzlies to emerge victorious in several of those games. But also, when you compare John Conchar to the rest of the NBA, his across-the-board production shows out as well. Over the over the past two seasons, his career so far, John Conchar has played a total of 756 minutes. Over the past two seasons, John Conchar is one of only two guards that have produced per 36 minutes to this standard. He's averaged 11.3 points, 3.3 assists, 8.3 rebounds, and 1.8 steals on a per 36-minute basis. Now, that doesn't necessarily put what he does into perspective on a per-minute basis, but it does show how productive he is when he is on the court in terms of contributing in a variety of different areas. Being an above-average rebounder for a guard, being a playmaker, being a guy that can score, while also being someone that can create turnovers or have the impact of creating momentum-shifting plays on defense when he's on the court. The only other guard who's played at least 750 minutes in the NBA over the past two seasons that on a per 36-minute basis has averaged 11 points, 8 total rebounds, 3 assists, and 1.5 steals. John Conchar is one of them. The other is DeJounte Murray. That's the type of impact that John Conchar is making. Now, I'm not saying that he's on the level of talent that DeJounte Murray is. And obviously, DeJounte Murray is doing what he's doing against other starting caliber players. But when John Conchar is on the floor, mostly against other bench units, his value added, the contributions that he is making, is similar against bench players 
to what DeJounte Murray does against starters for the Spurs. That's the point that I'm trying to make, and that shows that there is plenty of value in what John Conchar can do. And we see these type of players continue to evolve, continue to get more talented, continue to improve their game. A great example of that is who the Grizzlies faced in the first round of the NBA playoffs in George Niang. He was the ninth player in the Utah Jazz's rotation this past season. But he worked his way up, right? He's played in the NBA for a few seasons, didn't really come in as being a highly regarded prospect or anything like that, but through hard work, through effort, through energy fine-tuning his game, he's turned himself into a playable player in the playoffs. And that is what I think John Conchar could eventually become. Now, I don't see his um, minutes really changing next season. I think that he probably, over a full regular season, likely will play in somewhere around 50 games and probably average 10 to 15 minutes. That defines a 10th or 11th man in the rotation. And that's what he's paid as, right? He'll be going into the second year of a four-year contract, a fully guaranteed $2.2 million. And so that's the role that he's likely going to play. But it does matter. It stands out. That not only is he a fan favorite, not only is he someone that plays the game the right way and also embraces what Taylor Jenkins teaches him, but he's someone that 